Hello, welcome back to Out of Our Heads, a pop culture podcast from the minds of Joe Bordner and the oldest man alive, Nick Protopapis. Hello, everyone. Gee, I remember the day that they uh, invented the slice of bread. That was a good day. <laughs> Those were the times back before fancy things like uh, forks and knives. We just ate with stones. We just threw the loaf of bread at the ground over and over until it sliced. So, so Nick, um, what I have here on this uh, informational pamphlet they gave me before I brought you on the podcast is that um, you've been alive so long you don't even know when you were born. I mean... Do you know when you were born? You yeah, were... it was uh, no, July. No, you, you were a baby. You don't remember. You don't remember anything. And so I was also a baby, but no one else was there because I was first. <laughs> <laughs> so so your voice just uh, dramatically changed. Can, can you tell oh, me right. a little bit about Sorry. that? Um, uh, well, you see, uh, I was a heavy smoker in my m- middle life um, bef- mm. before we knew... How cool it was. I was first. I did it before it was cool. Um, I don't know, man. What happened to my voice? It's, uh, I'm old. That's what happens to old people. Uh-huh. It shifts because I, I can't remember who I am. Because I'm old. Because <laughs> also I'm old. Okay, buddy. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's up yeah. with you? Uh, I'm doing okay. Uh, haven't really done too much this week. Uh, but you know, I'm 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 getting in gear for uh interesting stuff happening next week. Uh, school's back soon. Hmm. Cool. Uh, yeah, I've been thinking a lot about sweat and what purpose it has. Uh, mm-hmm. Does it really help? What do you think? I think. You know, the thing about sweat is that we, as individuals, view it as uncomfortable because we have to deal with it. But if it wasn't happening, then we would just, like, probably die. Mm. Just all See, the... I'm not so sure. Because think about it like this. Where is this water coming from? Inside? Right? Yeah. But where? Like, what? what is this water? Where is it? I don't understand. I'm like, wouldn't it take some amount of energy to get the water out of my, my skin? Look, look, I don't know about all that. From my understanding, sweat is part of the cooling system of the body. I know, but it's not even that cool, is it? I don't know. You no, know, except it's, it's cooler than you would be. I guess. If, uh, you know, the fact of the matter is that humans were not made to live in certain environments. You see what I'm saying, right? We can. Like, the water is, is inside me, and then it comes outside. So why does that make a difference? Won't that just make my insides hotter? Is my point. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? I like, do see what you're saying. Like, how does moving the water actually help anything if it's the same amount of water? Anyways, mm. that's how I feel about sweat. I don't like yeah, it. I'm not, I'm not a man of science, per se. Mm-hmm. So I think these are questions that we, we bet best leave to uh, the other people. All right. Sounds good. Nick, you've got a thing for me on this fine day? Uh, I do, and I know it's a thing you don't like, but I'm going to tell you about it anyways yeah. and try to convince you to, to like it. It's uh-huh. a comic that I got for my birthday as a gift, so I didn't I didn't choose it, but it, it nice. happened upon me, and it's called... Uh, who, who got this for you? Who do I have to blame? <laughs> Remy Minkoff. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? Of course. 
he's he's been ousted now. Um, it's called okay. it's called Rusty Brown, which is a name, I guess. Um, and at first, I didn't know who was by since this 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 friggin' book. It's like a horizontal hardcover comic thing. It doesn't have a friggin' name on it, like an author name, which is super weird. I've never experienced anything like it. But you know, don't you know, Joe? Yep, it's by Chris Ware. It's by Chris Ware. Um, yeah. Okay. Can I can I comment on that for just a second? Uh, so you know, I, I am not a personal enjoyer of Chris Ware's books, but I think his greatest sin is that all his books are are horizontal. <laughs> no, it's cool. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I I like my books fitting. Honestly, like I think that like living in a fascist government like would be beneficial in one major way, and that is standardizing all books sizes ever. Um, <laughs> Because having a bookshelf is just a huge pain in the ass. I don't know if you've noticed this, but like mm-hmm. books just aren't the same size. And like that would be fine normally, but then you get a book that's like in a series or like, you know, like by the same author and you want them next to each other and you can't because they're different sizes. So how do you organize them by size or by subject? You kind of want to do both, you know? And like, you know how new books, like first they're hardcover. So if you really like it, like a series of books, like you're going to have to get the hardcover first. Like that's ridiculous. Now it doesn't fit with mm-hmm. my soft cover of that book, you know? And if it's a new series, like if I like the first one, why would I get the hardcover if I'm not sure I'm going to like it? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's fair. I think we've progressed off track. So I think you should tell me why you like Rusty Brown. Uh, okay. Well, it, it is horizontal, but I'm okay with it. Anyways, uh, you've read Lint, which is a part of Rusty Brown, uh, because Rusty Brown is sort of, as it explains early on, starring multiple characters. Um, and it's mainly, I'd say, four characters that get like a huge, big chunks of the book that sort of steer away from the introductory narrative and, you know, just sort of go through their lives through time and space. Um, and these characters are all pretty different. You get, you get a little rusty, which is like a kid. He's kind of a nerd kid. He gets bullied, pretty basic stuff. And that's where the mm-hmm. book starts off. Uh, and he's kind of just a weirdo. He likes to pretend he's a superhero kind of thing. And he gets bullied by this other kid named uh, Jordan Lint, which uh, is where the Lint thing comes from. And then it switches mm-hmm. to his dad. And his dad is uh, W.K. Brown, who you sort of get a big focus on his life and his insecurities. And, you know, it goes like that. You get like big chunks of the book dedicated to different people. And at first you think, oh, I'm in this like weird high school story or, you know, middle school story about Rusty Brown. And you're like, this is pretty basic, I guess you could say. Like, it's it's literally like everything you might expect. Like the kids get bullied, like the other misfit kids sort of makes friends with him kind of thing. Um, but then it just veers off to the left or right or whichever direction you didn't expect me to say. Um, and it goes into this deep dive of his dad. And you're like, okay, maybe this will tie in. And then it doesn't because it moves on to the next character, uh, Lint. And then you get like his whole life and it has little to nothing to do with like how you were introduced to him. Uh, and then you get, finally get uh, Joanne Cole, which is like the middle school teacher. And mm-hmm. yeah, so it, it's, it is a bit like having, you know, three or four books in one, which is why I'm not surprised that Lint was published alone. Uh, and just the first thing to say about Chris Ware stuff, obviously, is that the layouts are phenomenal. And the colors are great, and the art style, you know, fits that sort of thing really well. It's kind of simplistic, like, uh, you know, dark, thick lines for every character, uh, and it, it works. It works really well for the emotions going on in the scene, and he's good at 
you know, splitting up things and showing you different parts of a room or different parts of a life to help you get in the mood. Uh, and I honestly think this is like, you know, regardless of how you feel about anything else about his work or this book is uh, pretty much the best comicking I've ever seen uh, just because of how ambitious it is and how well it gets across what it's trying to do. Um, and like, I probably can't do it justice by describing, but if you, you just even like look some of his stuff up online, you'll, you'll instantly understand what I'm talking about. Like there's just so many panels, like so many little moments. Um, and then you get like, you know, these, the contrast of like a huge panel and a bunch of tiny ones or like, like tinier, even tinier than you would expect. Like you imagined tiny when I said it before, imagine tinier. Um, <laughs> and that makes it sort of a pleasure to read regardless of, like, it's not just a place, like, it's a pleasure to look at. Like, even if you're not even reading it and you just flip through it, it's a pleasure. Um, and he does some fun stuff just with, like, text, like, being people's thoughts. And the text sometimes overlaps and sort of goes through the page in not exactly sequential, you know, ways, which is part of part of what I'm talking about. Um, and then, you know, I enjoyed all that, and that's great. But I also really like it, like, as a story and as a book. Because it's it's not so much a plot focused thing as it is a character focused thing, um, and that's you know not the best for like having a story, but it is kind of the best for just like being very attached to the characters and you know understanding them fully in a way. Uh, and it, it's it's so great when you can sort of I can't think of often in, in in any story or any anything where you sort of get the entire person's life and especially multiple people's entire entire lives and. I just find that really interesting, especially when you don't know where it's going. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I know the thing you don't like about it is that it's kind of depressive and it seems like it doesn't have much to say just because it's like, okay, a person lived their life. Like they're born, they live, they die. And that's kind of how it goes. But I, I think the opposite. And I think that it's just sort of a reflection of life. And I think that's super cool and makes it even more sort of emotional and relatable. Um, so yeah, something I want to clarify is that I, I, as you said earlier, I've only read uh, the link portion of this because uh, I think all the ind individual like character sections were like released as individual books before they were like compiled into Rusty Brown. Because uh, Chris Ware had been working on this for like years and years and years, um, and so I, I don't want to like cast judgment on the whole of the book because I don't know the whole book. Um, it was just my impression from Lint um, that it was just like a very miserable time. <laughs> um, and I, I, I don't know. I, I don't want that to like project on, on your experience of the book or like even the book as a whole, because I got an incomplete reading of it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I totally agree with you on, um, like, like Chris Ware is a really impressive craftsman. I don't know if I'd go to go so far as to say like, oh, the best comicking around because I th I think what happens there is like he is someone who is extremely meticulous and someone who spends a lot of time on like every individual page, and I think that's just like really impressive. But I think he's also trying to do a very thi uh, 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 something that is in many ways like distinct from what other people are sort of trying to accomplish with the form um uh yeah i agree i just think this is the most sort of ambitious uh you know art 
in in the in the community like you know like i think it, i think it pushes the medium forward more than anything else sure yeah i i, I think that um yeah i mean that that's something that i think you can say his his work is like very good at i think it's probably i don't know him personally and i haven't read a lot about him but i think you can probably assume from from like reading his work that like that's something he's trying to do uh to like push comics as a form in different directions um i don't know i i don't want i don't want to say that i think that like lint or rusty brown is is bad i just like also don't personally enjoy it and i think i think there is like a distinction to be made there even if it's like a weird one yeah i'm not trying to put you on the spot or anything i just yeah yeah i think the character stuff in this is is just really great and i think literally everyone should read it ever i'm gonna try to get as many people (laughs) as i can to read it because i think i think reading this will help you understand you know as a as a layman um that comics are really cool and you also really like it so yeah yeah i'll I'll definitely read more of his stuff soon so Mm -hmm. that's that's up that's what's up with me i totally get it as like sort of I mean, it, it, it's it's kind of, um, you know, I, again, I don't want to, like, infer what Ware was intending, uh, but I, th- I think that, you know, probably there are elements of the same thing that, like, Alan Moore was sort of trying to do with Watchmen, where he was like, this is everything that I think comics can do. Um, and I think Ware is probably trying to push in similar directions. Really? I mean, I think... I think Watchmen does it, but in sort of the opposite way of like, how can I, you know, constrain myself and, and push within that constraint? Whereas this is not constraining itself at all in any way. You know what I mean? Maybe, maybe. I think, I think it's totally different. Yeah. But I see what you're saying. All right. That's pretty much what I have to say. How about you? <laughs> yeah, thank you. I, I, I do want to like check out rusty brown as like a whole book because I, I do still feel kind of like cheated on like not getting a, a a full like i did get a full story but not like uh the complete work yeah that i think it's sense? not done either it says something oh, let, me shit. Check. Uh, let me check it says intermission. Oh, is it like only is it like only the first half probably god this fucking guy <laughs> it, says, it says intermission on a giant two-page spread and those are the last two pages <laughs> wow. so I think it might only be the first half of whatever it ends up being. That makes sense, but I think it just... I mean, this came out, like, last year, so... Let me check mm. uh, Rusty Brown volume two. Uh, I don't see anything. But I assume that soon there will be a Rusty Brown. Or not soon, but, you know, the, yeah. in the future. This took him, like, 20 years or something. Yeah, I know, but you see what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There will be more. Uh, yeah. What have you got for me this week, Joseph? Okay, so this will be probably a shorter thing because A, you ran long, and B, this is I, I haven't finished it yet. Uh, I've got a novella uh, called This Is How You Lose the Time War, uh, which is uh, by two authors whose names escape me at the moment. Um, it is a story told from like two different characters' perspectives. Uh, they are both... Uh, it's like this big sci-fi thing. Like the, both characters are like 
agents for their slash soldiers for their respective sides in this big uh multiversal war um where like people are like um fighting across time and sort of destroying different timelines uh, and like causing events to happen so that something doesn't happen in the future uh it's very intricate um so that's really cool uh, and over time my, my my current theory is that the characters are probably going to fall in love or something um because right. um one of the main bits is that one of the main bits of like how we interact with them is it's sort of split up in two ways um where a uh, I, I forget if i got got this across earlier uh but each of the authors writes one character hmm. um it's cool yeah uh, and i th i think it was kind of like they had a a plot in mind but like they they were sort of reacting off of each other as they wrote it which is pretty cool um and so a lot of the main uh sort of narrative prose sections uh follow sort of what these characters are doing uh in various timelines um as they discover letters that the other character has left for them hmm. uh through various shenanigans um and then after each like narrative prose segment we get a reading of uh like what was in the letter uh which is pretty cool yeah. um like there's a bunch of cool stuff in there uh like one of the characters in like one chapter like hung out with genghis khan for like 20 years <laughs> um <laughs> uh and like, like like it's implied that like genghis khan knew the other character huh. for a while um and so, like, what they're, what they're doing is they're, like, assuming different identities uh, of people in the past as they go, uh, of, like, not famous people, but, like, just random people sure. in the past and, and the future uh, as they go throughout the timeline. Um, and so I, I think, you know, beyond the cool setup, uh, what I really like about this book so far um, is that it has just incredibly purposeful and concise prose um it's like really it's a novella so it's really short um it's like 200 pages um and also the the chapters are each like you know three to five pages long so you ne you're never like tired of anything mm -hmm. um and i think something they're really good at is uh kind of giving you a suggestion of what is happening like giving you all the necessary details and then then letting you fill in the rest and maybe this is because uh as you might know, uh, the past few episodes we've been reading like a lot of YA fiction, which I think is often a lot less purposefully designed just because of how it's made. Yeah. Um, and so it's been really enjoyable for me to go through this book that is uh, just incredibly purposeful in how it's constructed, at least from my perspective so far. Yeah, that sounds really cool. It sounds really uh, tight, I guess. It sounds like... yeah fast but also like a lot of cool stuff like what you just described sounds to me like something that could go on for a long book and you're telling me mm -hmm. so that's cool yeah uh i'm probably gonna re read the rest of it today right. uh since i'm about halfway through um yeah i i, I think i mean e even though i'm not done with it I, I i think i'm confident enough in recommending it uh i think you'd like it yeah i'm interested All right, shall we move on to our main topic? Uh, we shall.
Cool. So uh, this week we're doing, I think, probably one of both of our favorite comics. Definitely mine. I'm not sure exactly how you feel. Uh, Bone, a graphic novel classic, a classic in comics in general. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. How do you feel about Bone, Joe? Before, uh, I... <laughs> before, before recently. Uh, I love Bone. Uh, Bone is something that uh, I grew up with. Uh, the the Scholastic uh, reprints of it, and right, those sort too. of shaped the pathways of my brain in in uh, ways that I probably don't even fully understand today. <laughs> I think that's a that's well put, Joe. I think uh, I think I agree with you. I think I had a similar experience. Um, so I've I've been a huge fan for you know since we were that young reading the Scholastic ones. I got the big old one that collects them when it came out. I have a lot of the action figures. Like I'm a, I'm a huge huge fan. <laughs> but I've only really read it like since I was young. I'd say like maybe two more times. Like I think the last time I read it was probably like four or five years ago probably four i think four um so it's been like i know the story and the characters really well but sort of my opinion on it um is new you could say like it's reforming uh when we read it this time so we just did the the first three volumes uh because jeff smith has said a lot of times that he he views the nine books as like three parts um so i thought that would be a good way to split it up yeah yeah uh I think so because with these three books you you get um even though each individual volume sort of has its own mini adventures um with these ones you really get the the introduction to the status quo of the world and then in the third volume get you get kind of an inciting incident that leads into more action in the future in the later six volumes uh yeah so the pitch with bone is that there's there's three funny looking cousins but called bones um who are they kind of look like what do they look like joe i guess like uh pl- uh not pluto they look like goofy and pluto for mickey mouse sort of um <laughs> i think i think smiley um you know in particular has has goofy vibes to him yeah and they're like they're little white like bubbly things that's why they're called bones i guess but look them up because uh yeah that'll do you better um they're you know sort of very cartoony think, think like uh casper the friendly ghost but with large noses and also feet <laughs> yeah uh and there's there's phone bone who's our lead guy he's sort of your everyman uh guy and you got a uh, phony bone who wears a star in his shirt and he's he's kind of the uncle scrooge and then you got smiley who is the you know idiot dunce kind of character uh yeah. and they're in the desert because they got they got lost and then they get separated and they end up in this this mysterious magical valley that's sort of uh you know fantasy-esque with real people, um, but also like dragons and stuff, and yeah, they have to find each other, and then eventually they do. But they they're kind of trying to get home. That's their thing throughout all the books, more or less. Yeah, and and the other thing that comes up is um, so so Phonebone, who's our main guy, uh, he is once he enters the valley, he ends up uh, with uh, this this um young woman named Thorn. Uh, and she lives with her grandma, who's Grandma Ben. Um, and so they have their own little thing going on. And at the end of Volume 3, what we find out is that Thorn has a big mythic destiny. Um, and she's like used to be the princess of this land. But like she has her, she doesn't have all her memories and a bunch of crazy stuff going on with, with that. 
Yeah. Uh, but definitely the first three volumes, you know, you get into that stuff a little bit more later and it becomes this sort of epic fantasy. Um, mm-hmm. But definitely the first three volumes are a little more comic strippy, a little more cartoony and focusing on sort of the jokes of the situations, like the, the strength of those three characters sort of bouncing off each other, that sort of thing. Uh, and you get into some, you know, wacky, because the idea is that the bones are from a place more like our world. Um, and yeah. you can, you can, first of all, you can kind of imagine how, you know, the, the idiot dunce and the, the rich guy bounce off each other and, you know, he gets a little greedy and then phone one gets upset. Like there's, you know, very funny dynamic right off the bat. Um, and then there's also like totally wacky things like, you know, uh, the, the cow race, like there's, there's this thing in the, the valley that people race cow, or at least grandma Ben races cows, which is totally <laughs> wacky. Um, it's, it's funny. And then they interact with their world. Like, you know, instead of money, the people there use eggs and that's, you, you know, it's, it's very wacky situations, uh, which is, I think the perfect way to start this because, Definitely on the second or, you know, most recent read, um, the fantasy stuff so far isn't working as hard for me as, like, it did when I was a kid. Like, when I was mm-hmm. a kid, I was, like, super cool, like, dragons and dreams and, like, secret destinies. Like, I thought that was the coolest thing ever. Um, but this time around, it's a little more, a little less exciting. Maybe it's because I know it's going to happen. But I think the thing that makes it sort of for all ages and timeless is the the strength of these these uh, bone characters and how great they are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think so. The thing about bone is, in a lot of ways, it 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 is. I mean, it's idiosyncratic in the ways that, like, I haven't met met Jeff Smith, but I assume like it represents his sensibilities. Um, so you have all these elements which would seem to clash, but I think he makes it them like work really well. Right. Um, you're right and I, I I think that's that's part of the fun you get invested in these sort of more silly characters for sillier reasons and then they get wrapped up in something more serious which is of course established early on and you you tend to give it more stake you know you like it more because of the mm-hmm. you're invested in the characters and what's going to happen to them and like little things too it's not just it's not just the epic stuff I mean it's like you know phone bone is has a big crush on thorn like I'd say you're pretty invested in like him working that out it's, you know it's adorable but it's also like you're worried about him um and he starts writing these really funny poems and you know he's he, like in every card not every card lots of cartoons he's kind of the secret admirer that can't say it but tries his best all the time yeah yeah and and that you know i don't remember if that like <laughs> they're not in a relationship i mean the no it's funny because when i was younger i really wanted them to be um but looking back he's a funny bone creature and she's a she's like a a human lady yeah it is a little like i don't know how to feel about that is it is it that i've become like a a grizzled adult who can't accept like weirder relationships or am i just more realistic like not really sure i can't i can't believe you're so biased against bone creatures you know what i mean like I don't know. I don't really know how to feel about that change, but I'm definitely still like invested in his feelings. Um, yeah. If not as much I mean, his working it out. So, so the weird thing I realized when, when um, I was going back to, to this now <laughs> is that I guess like they're both like adults <laughs> in like whatever. Right. Like in sense bone, like, like Thorn <laughs> is definitely an adult. Yeah. I, as a kid, I read them as, as like children, but they're not. <laughs> You read them as I mean, they're. I mean, I'd say Thorn is 
you know. She's like a, a younger person, but I think she's an adult. <laughs> How old do you guess she? I've actually never thought about this. Like 19 or 20 is where I would say. All right. Yeah, I think I'm, I agree. With and that. I looked it up on the wiki and it, it that's what it. The wiki sucks. <laughs> oh, wiki is the worst wiki of all the wikis. Don't trust anything it tells you. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, that makes sense. I, I mean, how, how old do you think Bone is? Did the wiki tell you that? I think, I, I think Phone Bone is, is a, you know... 20, 22? A special, a special, special oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, that's... I mean, fun. just because, like, there are, there, are, there are aspects to him that, like, read little boy to me, but, like, you know, he's also just, like, a, like a his cartoon poems. creature. His poems are so funny. Yeah. Upon your feet, you have ten toes. They look just like potatoes. But also, like, he's not a baby, because he's, like, no. very self-sufficient. He's not a baby. He's a man. The, yeah. I, think, I feel like we should mention, I'm just going to throw this in there, because <laughs> we haven't, but uh, the Bones are from a place called Boneville, and that's really funny. Um, <laughs> if you don't think that's funny, you're stupid. Uh, that's I felt like mentioning that. Uh, that's it. Yeah, I... You know, I, I don't want to say that anyone is stupid, but I do think that it is an objectively funny thing. It's pretty funny. Um, who's your favorite bone, Joe? Because I feel like uh, that's important. Hmm. You know, I, I, I have a lot of empathy for Phone Bone. I, th I think that uh, Jeff Smith has a lot of uh, sympathy for, like, the little guy yeah. throughout his comics, and I, we can come back to that. Um, so I, I think, obviously, it, like he's the main character. He's your protagonist. He's in a lot of ways the most endearing but I, I i have a i have a soft spot in my heart for phony bone um he is the he is the scrooge of he, the group he's in, so funny and he is a dirty capitalist but yeah. he's so good he has some he has some really really funny lines um uh, was, they're so good i wish i could remember any of them uh <laughs> and not not to not to you know undercut smiley bone who's also great Smiley Bone, I think, in the next chunk of books gets a little better because he's less, like, totally idiotic. Um, but, yeah. I, I like the joke. You, know you know what um, I totally forgot? Um, is, like, in the... In these first few vol volumes, I forget if, like, this continues on later. But, like, the bones are sort of amorphous. Like, they can change shape. Yeah, like, that, I think that goes away a little bit just because it's, like, a little weird. Yeah, because like, there's, like, one scene, especially, yeah. is, like, where it's most pronounced, where, like, someone goes up to Bone, or goes up to Phone Bone, and he's, like, trying to intimidate them, so he's like, hey, want to arm wrestle? And then his arm just, like, shoots up into, like, phone being hugely arm. muscular. Yeah, Phone Bone's <laughs> arm. Uh, yeah. yeah, there's a little bit of, like, the first two books, there's a little, like, cartoon logic applied to them, where, like, <laughs> Phone Bone just, like, climbs a cliff face, <laughs> mm -hmm. and, like, also falls <laughs> off of one and totally survives. Um, which kind of goes away a little bit just so you can get the, the stakes a little more. Yeah. But it is an interesting, I sort of reading it this time, I was like, I guess the bones have power of cartoon logic on their hands. Which um, makes sense based yeah. on like what they are. <laughs> yeah. You know, like in, uh, um, Jesus, uh, who framed Roger Rabbit? Like the cartoons are sort of like, like they can die, but they're like more, their, their power is like cartoon logic. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. a little bit like that. <laughs> not not it's not really like that but like yeah um i don't know i i think my, my favorite thing about reading it this time is i forgot how freaking hilarious it is like i laughed out loud so many times oh um, it's so good i think my favorite joke will have to be and i never saw this coming even though i've read it so many times uh so phone bone is going swimming in a hot spring with thorn and they sort of approach the little pond 
and then it goes oh off screen. God. It goes off screen because it's implied that she's kind of nude. So it, it shows the like, you know, where her clothes are, and then phone bone is like right behind her. So there's a little more of him taking his boots off or whatever. Um, and she goes, "Oh, grab the soap." And he's like, "Oh, okay." And then you sort of just this is just you just hear them now. Um, and she's like, "Oh, uh, phone bone, do you think you should be a little more careful with the soap?" And you're like, "Where's this joke going? <laughs> like, this is so weird." And then he's like, "Huh?" And she's like, "The soap, you silly! You just ate the whole bar." <laughs> I thought that. I don't was... get that joke. I don't, I don't think... understand what it means. I think he's just nervous and he eats the entire bar of soap. I <laughs> like. I was like, "Is this gonna be like a drop the soap joke?" And then it like is so like he ate the soap. What? That's so funny. Like, I... <laughs> okay, man. I laughed so much. I was like, "Why would he eat the soap?" <laughs> I don't know. I thought it worked great. Uh, maybe not that one, but besides that, there are a lot of other great jokes. Yeah. That was a little bit of a weird one. Um, I mean, that scene in particular is why I believe that Thorne is definitely an adult, <laughs> just because I don't feel comfortable with that. Oh yeah, <laughs> she, sure. Um, I, mean, I don't know. I, I like the I, jokes. I like to. I like to assume that Jeff Smith is a good person. So. Yeah, I like the jokes where phonies like old business ideas are brought up. Oh yeah, like combining the petting zoo and the butchery, like that's hilarious. Oh, dude, you know the one I love? It's just like the the one where where Phonebone is describing uh, what Phony's. Oh yeah, yeah. He's like Phony decided he was going to run for mayor. His campaign slogan was, "And I've got the money to do it too." (laughs) You like that? I like his long explanation of what went wrong, and then Grandma (laughs) Friend is like, "Oh, so that's when they got mad and kicked him out of town," and he's like, "No." That's when the bad figs kicked in, or prunes. Was it prunes? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, that's when it really got bad. Yeah. I also like just like like the way the bones move and like do silly like like the when like phone bones really into thorn and he sort of like floats off the back of the the cow that he's riding on. Like that. Oh the, yeah, I love his like little eyes there, his little expression. It's just so adorable. Um, Jeff Smith's really good yeah. at drawing like cartoony like adorable things. Um. I noticed this time around that like his like people that aren't that cartoony and like animals like realistic animals aren't that great, but I think they work fine. And I, from what I remember, the art gets much better. Hmm. Yeah, there's like I don't know how to how to feel about um some of the flashback scenes because I think what they do is like I think they they're very good at like setting themselves apart from the rest of the book. Um, but there's also just, like, some weird art in some of them, uh, where, like, we see baby Thorn at one point, um, and her face is just contorted in a very strange way, and there's, yeah. like, some of that in these first few books. Yeah, I, I definitely don't mind anything, like, nothing is, like, gross to me, um, but I, I just noticed it more this time, I guess. Yeah, and I'll also, like, totally allow for the fact that, like, in that particular scene, I think he might be trying to be deliberately unsettling. Yeah. It's just, it's just such a, you know what it is? It's just, like, it's such a contrast when you're looking at the bones and how, like, almost effortlessly they look drawn, like, seamlessly, like, you know, the way way they move everything looks so good. Like, I don't know. I think it's, that's kind of the thing. You know what I mean? Like, if they weren't, you wouldn't notice how the realistic things are sometimes meh. But, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, so something Jeff Smith is just, like, really good at is, like, conveying motion on a page. Um, Like, I I don't think that's, like, a revolutionary statement to say, like, (laughs) he's one of the best people at that. Um, (laughs) So we we were, like, um, 
we were talking about it the other day, um, and it's like it's true that none of his layouts are showy in like the same way that like Chris Ware's might be. Yeah. Um, but I think it is like really masterful just how he organizes each scene. Uh, his characters are incredibly emotive. Uh, like I, I think the bones have like just the right amount of detail. Oh yeah. Um, I love the bones. Or like really, really all of them do. I think. Um, yeah. Like say what you will i don't think you could say any bad things about his character designs um and so because of that they they play off of each other really well and you know what what i sort of noticed on this one this read through um is that like every panel like every character is always in character uh so he's built all these strong personalities and it really comes across well on the page and you can look at like my theory is it's not 100 percent proven but i think it's mostly proven is that you can look at any of the a thousand plus pages of bone and you can track like any given character on that page's like arc throughout a page, but you can also get like a real emotional reaction out of just following them and what they're doing. Hmm. Good theory. Yeah, I don't know. I I just think you can like look at any page of Bone and like see what a character is feeling. Yeah, definitely. Especially since like especially the Bones are so like they look like the person they are. I guess like like mm-hmm. Phone Bone and Phony Bone look really similar, but actually you can start to tell the difference between them. Um, just because, like, Phony's face is a little more scrunched, a little more angry, and his eyebrows are, like, slightly more angry, you know what I mean? And that, yeah. that little distinction is just so great. Like, like how, how, how we can have two super similar-looking characters, and just by their, like, emotions and, like, slight differences in their faces, we can tell them apart. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's super great. And, I mean, I think we should mention, like, uh, he didn't color these books, and before they were colored, you know, they were just black and white when he was publishing them. But the yeah, uh, it was uh, Steve Hemaker who did the colors. Yeah, but the the inking is, I mean, awesome. It's yeah. like the, the extreme blacks are so good, and I think they the thickness of the lines. I think a lot of the time have to do with how emotive the bones are, because uh, if you look at them, they're sort of just a they're just a bunch of round lines. <laughs> you know, there's a bunch of little circles, like and like it, you know the different thickness on the nose and the the head, like really gets a. A kind of pop to them which is nice yeah totally yeah and i think it, i think it i think the blacks like that are sort of how the bones can work really well in a more realistic environment is because he does a lot of like liney stuff in the backgrounds and it, the blacks and white you know contrast so it, the bone is the focus because it's so simple uh in a more but it, lo- it looks like it's part of the same i don't know if that's making sense you know what i mean though right I, I I think I do. Like he's using he's using the blacks for for texture in the background, and because the bone is 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 white, like it pops out of it. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially with like the rat creatures, like you know a lot of like they have a lot of hair, so you, he always draws like every single line of hair. I don't know. It's it's really yeah nice. yeah yeah. And uh, you, we were talking about how maybe I don't, I don't know how do you feel about sort of the color on top of that because I know you asked me but. Uh, so on the, I, I said that sort of before I went through and reread and I think, you know, the, the interesting thing about it is I think the color for me only really helps. Um, like there, there are some background elements, um, in a lot of like the scenes in the forest. Uh, I think it's pretty clear that, uh, Steve Hamaker is like adding in like trees and stuff using like the colors that like were not there when jeff smith like did the inks mm-hmm. um but i think like this really only helps um like the 
it's not a bad job at all um especially for something that like was not designed with color in mind yeah uh i think you know just like the the the, the, the you know the art the coloring starts off you know not as good as it's going to be uh and then just reading the first three like by the third one it's much much better um yeah totally something i was missing out on in the first sort of two is that i i really like like i said i like the bone characters sort of pop like I, they look so like animated and colorful um so the colors were a bit dim for me in the first two but by the time you get to the third one it's already it's already much better um, mm-hmm. so yeah i'm really digging this reread uh i'm excited to get into more of the plot stuff and the more you know the darker part of bone because i feel like i got a good, a good handle on the characters now um yeah 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 something something interesting for me is that like as a kid um i think these first three volumes were like the main ones that i actually owned and the rest i borrowed from the library Mm -hmm. so like these were the ones that i like reread over and over and over again uh so i think these left like a lot more lasting of an impression on me so to me this is kind of like what bone is um and the rest of it is just like the continuing adventures of bone (laughs) Yeah, I actually, I think he gets better just because, like, uh, he gets better at, well, I mean, the plot escalates, but he doesn't lose any of the, the cartoon humor, like, the you know, the character. Yeah. And I think that I makes... Mean, the, I mean, I think, isn't Volume 8, like, mostly dedicated to, like, side adventure comedy stuff? Well, sort of. Um, it, it's just sort of plot stuff, but, like, less of the main mm-hmm. plot. Like, they sort of take a break. From, they're like in a city and they anyways you'll see but yeah yeah, yeah. but yeah and I, actually i think another thing we should say just because we didn't is uh the villain is pretty cool like pretty menacing the hooded one. Oh yeah and the, their map oh this, this um this branches into something i wanted to say about the lettering oh, um yeah. so it's usually fairly the the actual like um like lettering hand that he uses is um pretty standard it's it's a typeface um but the actual like word balloons that smith draws are like some of the best in the business yeah for <laughs> um, sure and like in conjunction with his expressions they do such a good job at like selling the emotions of the characters um and so like with the hooded one who's like our main villain um at you least you kind of know everything volumes. you know everything about the hooded one you need to know like they're they're the hooded one like it's a creepy menacing you know force in the background right Mm-hmm. um well so so <laughs> he has such this this genius thing so the the hood like hangs over their head um and the 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 tail of like their their word balloons goes inside the hood um and i th- i think that i think there like might be like one instance of that not happening later on um but for the most part that's consistent and to me that's just like such a distinctive decision that he made that i, I don't think i've ever really seen replicated in the same way um and it just feels like so distinctive of bone to me yeah he does a lot of the like you're saying like he does some of the the yelling and the you know more expressive like the the words kind of does himself i think um Mm -hmm. and that's cool too and i I think for the lord of the locusts he does his own too maybe the hooded one maybe i don't know uh i feel like there's some distinctive like a different lettering going on uh, which makes it creepy and like like it's really cool. I also really like the rat creatures design. I just want to say that like I think it's one of the best like fantasy creature designs ever. I think it's so cool. Oh, they're so good. What's really funny about them is they like don't look a lot like rats. 
Well, later it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because they had tails. Yeah. So it makes sense. They had rat tails. But also, like, regardless of that, they're so good. Yeah. Um, they're, they're, they're funny little villains, and they have a recurring yeah. bit. Uh, I think they strike, like, just the right balance between sympathetic and really scary. Yeah, definitely. Cause they uh, look... Because, like, there are there are ones that are more sympathetic. Um... Yeah. I, I mean, Corey, you know, it, Bone is a character business, and that includes the rat creatures. Um, yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. I think uh, I remember about Bone is that there's some cooler, like, locations, and, like, more fantasy creatures and locations that mm-hmm. will be fun to get into, too. But yeah, I think that's what I have to say about Bone. I love Bone. Yeah, I also love Bone. <laughs> nice. All right, Joe, what's going on this week? New Mutants? Is it New Mutants time? Uh, no, no, no. Um, <laughs> never. Uh, Nick, next week is the release of the third Bill and Ted movie. What? Bill and Ted face the music. I thought it was the second. This is the second? No, there's a second one. Wow. Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. I didn't know that. Uh, this movie stars Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter. Uh, I'm going to play a game with you. It does not require being familiar with Bill and Ted. Thank God. Um, <laughs> well, it's unfortunate that you haven't seen Bill and Ted. Really? They're good movies. Are they really? Yeah. Bill and Ted's great. I mean, I haven't seen the second one, but the first one is a classic. I don't know. I think you would like it a lot. It's hilarious. Is it anything like Dumb and Dumber? I have not seen Dumb and Dumber. All right. I guess I'll watch Bill and Ted maybe someday. I don't know. I'm still a skeptic. Okay. Okay. But I figured that we would do something in honor of this momentous occasion in our history. Mm-hmm. Uh, our friend Counter Reeves has been in many films over time. Of the ones that you have not seen, which ones do you? Which one do you theorize is the best? <laughs> So the best one that I haven't seen is what you're saying. My guess. Yeah. yeah. Uh, can you like mention some I haven't seen? Maybe uh, like I've seen the Matrixes. Okay. I've seen the first John Wick. Uh huh. I've seen Toy Story Four. All <laughs> right. Who's in that? <laughs> am I? Whatever. What, what has? What? What else? What am I missing here? There are two more John Wicks. Okay. Uh, there is, you know, both Bill and Ted's, which I guess you haven't seen. Yeah. Uh, point, there's a point break. I don't know what that is. Here's uh, the thing. I'd assume I don't like the Matrix movies and I, I don't like John Wick. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's a shame. So I, I guess, <laughs> I don't know. Bill and Ted must be the best if you say it's a good classic and, uh, <laughs> I haven't. I don't like the other ones. Uh, Damn. Okay. Maybe, I guess that's an acceptable answer. Maybe Toy Story Five is the, is the Damn. best. Hold on, Keanu. How do I spell Keanu? Uh, K E A N U. Oh, I found it. He's Canadian. I didn't know that. I you guess know, so. You know, what looks good. Speed. Speed is probably the best movie with yeah. Keanu Reeves that I haven't seen. Uh. What do you think? How about you? How about you? What's your theory? My theory is hmm. 
Oh, he was an always be my maybe. That's probably the best one. Always <laughs> be my maybe. Oh, I think he's uh, he's like the the. Oh no, other Joe of interest. Joe, I know one. Joe. Oh, Siberia. That's the best one. Okay. Um, I think it would have to be. What destination wedding? I think it's Johnny Mnemonic. I don't know what that is. Yeah, I'm not really sure either. I just, I, I, I mean, I'm familiar with the title. Do you like Matrix? Uh, I, th- I think it's. I have not seen Matrix. <laughs> Actually, you know that that might be my answer. I I am woefully underinformed on Keanu Reeves films. Yeah, I just I kind of realize I don't like any of them. So this is a little bit of a a twist topic to do this week. Even though we do it every week, uh, I was still yeah, caught by surprise. That's unfortunate. <laughs> that's okay though. That's my fault. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, one of these must be good. Let me. Okay. I would bet a plurality of them. <laughs> Maybe. All right. Well, that's okay. I'll watch Bill and Ted. How about that? That'll 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 be a good. It, that comes, yeah. That'll be a good that comes out of this bit. Um, yeah. Nick, you've got a wise quote for us to close out the show. I do. This one's from uh, I guess Stephen King because I because apparently he wrote this book that made this movie. Uh, get busy living or get busy dying. Right from the Shawshank Redemption. From the sorry from the Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> I didn't know it was a Stephen King book until earlier today, right before we recorded. Um. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Out of Our Heads, a pop culture podcast from the minds of Joe Bortner and Nick Protopapis. You can contact us at outofourheadspod at gmail.com. Uh, my Twitter handle is at joby underscore draws. You can read my webcomic, Aeronaut, at jobydraws.com. As always, Nick has nothing to promote except for wisdom. We'll be back next week. In the meantime, you can rate and review us on iTunes. It would help us out. Stay safe. See you next time.